And I hope you've got your Bibles with you. This is part five of the end of the world, something that I really felt to do because a lot of the fear and, uh, you know, type of things that were being put out there. So I just want to start again by saying in Afrikaans, Riss in Freida in English, rest and peace. I don't know it in the other languages. I should learn at least Zulu or Kosa, but uh, rest and peace to you all. May the Lord bless you. So just very quickly a review what we looked at in the last four sessions. I wanted to just take away a little bit of the fear factor, the postponement and all the kinds of things that go on and talk about the coming that's mentioned, particularly in Matthew 24, uh, Daniel's various chapters, you know, sort of 7, um, 9, uh, 12. Um, and then, of course, wherever it is in Mark and in Luke, Luke 21. And just show you that, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of um, uh, taking things out of context, things that pertain to Israel and the destruction of Israel, the judgment on Israel, the great day of God's wrath has been lumped into together and been projected because of a futuristic view of the book of Revelation and been proje projected into our time. And so, you know, there's been surmisings that maybe this COVID-19 thing is part of the great tribulation and now if Bill Gates and, and co come up with a vaccine, somehow it's the mark of the beast and uh, it's, it's a six, six thing, six thing. And if we take it, neither buying nor selling, uh, we physically will not be able to get saved. Um, you know, we might have to pay for it with our life and so on and so on and so on. And so a lot of confusion and a lot of fear um, involved in all of that. So I just was taking great pains in the past four sessions to go through and say, that is not the case. Those prophecies do not belong to our time. Jesus, when he spoke and gave the signs of the times, the interpretation made it very clear that with the, when the fig tree blossoms, know that, that um, it is summer. So in other words, it's nearly the time. And Jesus specifically said to his hearers that this generation would not pass away before all those signs would be accomplished. So all of the destruction, all of the wars and the rumors of wars, it doesn't mean to say that they are not in other ages. He was talking about them in their age, famines and earthquakes and things like that, you know, that would possibly be a phenomenon. And, uh, you know, so it was at the end of the day, it was that age. His coming was the, his coming was as the coming of the son of man prophesied in Daniel. But we'll get into it um, a little bit. So just very quickly, the theme of the book of Revelation. We said to you, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, it's about Jesus Christ and his church. It's about Jesus Christ and the adversary. It's about Jesus Christ and the whole buildup and the destruction of Jerusalem with its temple. And then it's about Jesus Christ, the victorious Lord and him establishing his kingdom. Yes. And uh, I think that's really, really um, amazing. Now I deliberately left out some scriptures and, and I know that some people have been gay, but what about, but what about, but what about, but you've really been patient. And so hopefully I can just touch on the what about. Listen, we can't um, in five sessions do the whole thing. All I can do is give you an overview, pick out a few things, hopefully for you to see um, and, and change your minds on certain things and also give you um, a, a little bit of um, an understanding and argument so that you don't get into fear when people who don't understand 
put out all these things about the mark of the beast. Let me tell you that it, when they produce the vaccine, and if we are forced to take it, it is not the mark of the beast. There's not going to be a wash in it that changes your DNA. And they're going to be able to track you and that kind of thing. In their simple, limited understanding, yes, there's greed, and some people want to make a lot of money. The pharma companies want to make a lot of money. Yes, there's an area of control. I'm sure that there is. But that's the spirit that came down uh, from Babylon. That's the spirit of this world. That's the spirit that was in that statue from the head, from Babylon, that wants to be God. It goes all the way through, through every empire, every country, every um, you know ruler, and especially those who do not serve the Lord, want to be in charge, want to be in control. People, you know, uh, unregenerate men still want to control the earth. But those prophecies refer, refer to specific empires, specific nations, and it was up until the time of uh, Israel and the, the, the Roman Empire as it specifically relates to, to, to Israel. And then the Roman Empire was the rod of iron by which God would judge um, apostate Israel and remove it. It's really interesting that, um, that uh, Jerusalem is called the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where our Lord also was crucified. And so, you know, right from before the exile, God gave them time to repent. And we see even when they came back and rebuilt how Nehemiah had to tear his robes because they went back to do the same things that caused them to go into the exile in the first place. And they came up with a synagogue system, which was not a system that, that was from God or from his revelation. And so they continued in the apostasy. And when the Messiah came, they rejected him. He came to his own and his own rejected him. And so the stone the builders came that came that those builders were supposed to build into their religion. They rejected it and continued. They were to deliver the seed and the seed was Christ. And then they were to um, welcome the seed, embrace the seed and believe in. But Paul tells us in the book of Romans, because of unbelief as natural olives that were cut out and we as the wild olives were grafted in. And the only way they can come back in to the, the olive is that if they come in by faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, we don't have to become Jewish. There's an infatuation with all things Jewish that somehow we need to talk Shabbat and Mashiach, Yeshua, Mashiach, and all of that kind of, we don't need to do that. Um, he's contextual to our culture. We can say Jesus Christ in English. We can say Yesu Ihosi in uh, Shangon, which means Jesus is Lord. We can, we can use our language and we can um, live our cultures. I'm not Jewish, I'm South African. And so, you know, um, we don't have to try and become Jewish and imbibe Jewish culture. All that, that kind of stuff ended. That's why Paul tells us in Colossians, I'm running off at a tangent, no more need for new moon celebrations. There's no need for all religious festivals and holy days, celebration of Sabbaths and all those kind of things. Those elemental things, Second Peter chapter 3, were burnt up. They are useless as far as restraining the flesh. Now it is a new covenant, the spirit in our hearts. So we don't have to try and discover our, rediscover our Jewishness and try and get Jewish names and, and there's a fatuation with it here in South Africa. You know, I see um, Afrikaners wearing young, yummy kappas and, uh, you know, wearing the talit, the, the prayer shawls around their waist, trying to fulfill the law, going to doctors, getting circumcised. Come on. That is taking an Old Testament mindset and putting it into the New Testament religion. It's got nothing to do with that. That is past and, and that is over. And so, you know, all of these things that I was trying to show you, um, we, we found in those scriptures. So the events outlined in Matthew 24, etc., were fulfilled with Jesus coming as the son of man. 
Now, I want you to notice that 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2 Peter 3 talks about his coming as a thief in the night. So I just want to say, and you know, Prophet Kubis used to say this, and, and it really blessed me. Jesus, if he's coming to his church, doesn't have to come as a thief in the night. You know, he's not trying to break into the world. He's the Lord of this world. He's the owner of this world. So he's not coming as a thief in the night. When the Son of Man came as the thief in the night, 2 Thessalonians 5 and 2 Peter 3, he was coming in surprise to the Jews who were not expecting him, not looking for him. They had rejected him. So there's a difference there. So the, the, this coming in the book of Daniel chapter 7, where it says the Son of Man entered, you know, sort of into that courtroom in heaven where the Ancient of Days sat, set up thrones, opened the scrolls, um, was the beginning of a judgment. Now, listen, that judgment wasn't necessarily on us, but there was going to be a judgment. But, uh, and it began, Paul says, in Romans chapter 8, verse 3, with Jesus coming, dying on the cross, and it says what the law could not do. In that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So the beginning of the judgment, when Jesus came in, you know, to the ancient of days um, and when scrolls were opened, it continues. You need to read the rest of that chapter. It's really br brilliant how eventually judgment was proclaimed in the favor of the saints and they were given a kingdom that was for perpetuity, which was forever and ever and ever. And it began at the cross. So sin was judged in my flesh by Jesus becoming flesh and becoming sin for me. But it ended with the, the re complete removal of the old. The book of Hebrews tells us that as long as the old stood, the new could not be thoroughly instituted. And God gave the Jews 40 years to repent and to change and, and to accept Christ, the Messiah, which they did not. And so um, they, they brought about their own judgment. And the Son of Man in heaven, behind the scenes, with the clouds, with the hosts of heaven, uh, brought about the judgment using Rome as the instrument, the rod of iron, and judged Jerusalem. Broke down the temple because a new system was going to be instituted. System, a new world, a new heaven, a new earth, new government, a new king, a new way of doing things, a new temple, a new city, a new people, and a new covenant. And so we need to notice that that the, uh, the Bible tells us in Revelation um, 7 that um, Daniel 7, sorry, I saw in the night visions and behold one like the Son of Man. Come with the clouds of heaven, I've already referred to it. So let's not go back there. But I wanted to just touch on one thing. And it says in verse 14, and there was given him dominion, that's Jesus, the Son of Man, and glory and a kingdom. Now you need to just take note of that as we unfold this teaching. And a kingdom that all people, all nations, and all languages, not just the Jews, that all people, all nations, all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, world without end, remember, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. So it will not be destroyed. So this present heaven, this present earth will remain. This present principles, principles will remain. This present covenant will remain. His rulership as king of kings and lord of lords will remain so he came um, uh, to the whole world the gospel had to come to the whole world so it's no longer confined to the jewish nation so please you don't have to become jewish or a jew you can if you want to if it, that's what floats your boat but i don't have to 
And, um, and I don't think God expects us to. Um, so we can be Christians. We can be South African Christians. And uh, within South Africa, we can be closer Christians, Zulu Christians. But at the end of the day, we're Christians, one body, neither male nor female, you know, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. So at the end of the day, there is no Zulu Christian or Kosa Christian or white Christian or Afrikaans Christian. We are Christians. We are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all sons of God. So as we progress through the book of Revelation, we see something changing from Jesus as the son of man to Jesus as the son of God, the Lord of glory. And in Revelation chapter 21, verse 26, hope you stand up with me. Um, Jesus says this, it is done. In other words, it is finished. In other words, what I began at the cross and when I said it's finished as far as the sacrifice of sin being paid, it is now finished as far as the full spectrum of salvation. And, and now I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I am the beginning. I am the end. And so he ended um, the Jewish system to become the end. So he's the author and the finisher, the end of our faith. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And that is for every single one of us. Now, remember I said that um, he was given a kingdom and that kingdom would last forever. We've got to understand that when we understand the end and the coming and, and the subject that I'm going to talk about today, which is, you know, continuing and, and the, the, the backdrop, the context is the kingdom. Jesus as the king of the kingdom. Uh, uh, John saw it in the spirit and he said, now are the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ and he shall reign forever. And remember the devil when he tempted Jesus said, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Satan knew that that was the end result of the rule and the reign of Jesus. So he came preaching the kingdom. He told us to pray the kingdom. And you know, a lot of people say, you, you know, that, Never mind that the Our Father prayer is a prayer that we can chuck now because it was for the Jews. No, we can still pray that because the kingdom is still unfolding. It's not fully here. It's here, but not fully here. And so, um, you know, it tells us in Revelations 1 verse 5, Jesus Christ, he's the faithful witness. He's the first begotten from the dead. He's the prince of the kings of the earth. That's us. And to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and then in Revelations 5, verse 10, it says, he's made us unto our God, kings and priests. Now, you've got to hear this. And we shall reign forever on this earth. And so the coming of the kingdom is here on earth. And he has set us up as kings and priests on earth to rule and to reign forever. That's why in Isaiah 9, verse 6, unto us a child is born, a son is given, talks about the government being on his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end and so you know when jesus ate the communion he said you know i won't drink it again until that day when i drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom and there's so many people that are waiting for that but that took place with the disciples in emmaus um, when he broke the bread and when they saw um, and and he was revealed to them in the breaking of the bread and so you need to understand that as we progress through the book of revelations i'm rushing a bit to give time to the end it says, uh, it talks about Jesus now not being the son of man, but being the victorious Lord of glory. In other words, the son of God. Few verses. Let me read them to you. Revelations 19 verse 11. And I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse like the one in Revelation 6. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. This is obviously Jesus. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. And of course, that was on 
on all the enemies of God, sin and sickness. But at that stage, it was on an apostate Jerusalem. His eyes were as flame of fire. His head were on, on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. We know what that's all about. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. There it is. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And that again was the judgment of Jerusalem, the wine press, because they were the vineyard, the vine. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's now triumphant. He's the Lord of glory. And again, I read it, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, I will give to him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of the life of life freely. Now in Matthew 16, Jesus asked the question to his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is now he refers to himself as the son of man now you know before and, and Annalise van Rensburg helped me to see this and and it was such a it was bigger than just seeing the identity of Jesus when Peter said the son of man you know thou art the Christ the son of the living God in other words the son of man is the son of God we've seen a lot of the son of man but we will witness uh, Jesus as the son of God so the whole purpose of the son of man was to destroy the works of the devil 1 John 3 8 it's initially why Adam was created, uh, but he failed. He gave into temptation. It's why Jesus came and was revealed. And it's what all of creation is waiting for us to step into now to fully destroy the works of the devil and to redeem this planet from its bondage to decay. Um, and so the Son of Man came to finish that work that he started. So what about the revelation of Jesus as the Son of God? So this is where we, we come to now. So as the son of man, there was an event called the coming and resulted in the destruction of Jerusalem. And I kind of made out that's all there was because I wanted to dismantle the rapture, the mark of the beast, the tribulation, you know, the antichrist and all those kinds of things. The antichrist was there from the beginning. You know, the serpent was in the garden from the beginning and um, gradually manifest. But of course, after the baptism of Jesus and him being endued with the spirit, we see a phenomenal step up in the manifestation of the Antichrist. And John says they were already in the world um, at the time of Jesus. So as, as, the, as the son of God, I want to refer to there is going to be an event, another event. And there are many New Testament re references to it, but it's very difficult and it takes a lot of study and we don't have the time and, and, and you know, here to go into all of it, to unpick what is AD 70, um, he's coming there and what about, let's call it his appearing, something that is still future to us. Um, what about that appearing? So I want to just give you some scriptures that hint to and speak of, well, not hint to, but speak of another event. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. I hope you're with me, and I hope somebody is saying amen. And uh, you know you know how difficult it is for me to preach on a live stream and, and not have amen, glory, hallelujah, and church, preach it, you know, and hear woo-woo and all those kinds of things, you know. So, But I'm getting better, aren't I? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ was offered uh, once, was offered was once offered to bear the sins of men. We know that was when he came and died on the cross. And unto them that look for him, that's us, that look for him, that are expecting him. The Jews are not looking for him and not expecting him. Um, they want a political leader. and They missed his first one. 
um, he, shall he appear the second time. So for those who are looking for him, for us, come on, church, we're looking for him. That's why we want revival. We're looking for Christ. We're looking for his appearance. We're looking for his manifestation. We are looking for that apocalypsis, that revealing um, of Jesus. And he will appear a second time without sin unto salvation. And when it says without sin, he didn't come with sin. We know that. But he became sin for us. So he'll appear a second time, not to become sin for us, but um, unto salvation. In other words, to bring us full salvation. Now, obviously, just by a little bit of knowledge that I've given you, it doesn't fit with AD 70. So this is referring to another event. And this salvation, says Paul, is full salvation, is complete salvation. It's our total redemption. Come on, you and I know if this is all there is, then it's a poor showing. You know, it means that Jesus really, you know, we have fallen short of all of the redemption that Jesus died for on the cross. And so Paul says it in Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. You've got to listen to this. Stick with me. Have a sip of coffee and let's continue. In whom ye also trusted, that's Jesus. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, you were sealed with the, that Holy Spirit of promise. Listen to this. Now the Holy Spirit of promise, which we were given after we believed in Jesus, is the earnest of our inheritance. In other words, it's the deposit or the down payment of our inheritance, our full inheritance. So it goes on, which is the earnest, of our inheritance until, now you've got to hear that word, until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. In other words, what Paul is saying, we receive the spirit and he is the deposit, the earnest, the pledge, the down payment of the full redemption that is ours in Christ Jesus to his praise and to his glory. But now what is this redemption? What is this full salvation? What does this look like. Well, stick with me. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses one to eight gives us Paul's longing. And you need to read it because he talked about that we that we have a, 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 a he says we have a building in heaven that's from God in that spiritual realm. And, and, and while we live in the tabernacle, the tent of this body, the impermanence of this body, there's the permanent uh, physical body that we long for. We don't wish to be unclothed. In other words, he's saying we don't want to die, but rather we want to be clothed upon with our heavenly dwelling. So look at that, um, that Paul uh, speaks about. Now, he seems to understand that he's not going to experience what still lies beyond him in the future. So Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 23, Paul's words again, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature or creation waiteth for this manifestation, for the manifestation of the sons of God. Surely we haven't seen it yet. Creation hasn't seen this full manifestation of the sons of God. The creature, creation, was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but because of Adamson, but by reason of him who subjected, subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself, or creation itself, shall also be delivered from the bondage to corruption and decay and brought into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And so the whole of creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but we ourselves, we ourselves, which have the first fruits, the deposit, 
the down payment of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. What are we waiting for? The adoption to it, that is the full redemption of our bodies, not subject to sickness, not subject to death, full salvation of which we receive the down payment of the spirit. And Paul says, even creation will be liberated and taken out of its bondage in Decatus. And what that looks like, I don't know. But we know that that has not happened yet. So there is something still coming. But it is not attended to with a rapture. It's not attended to with a great tribulation. It's not attended to with the mark of the beast and 666 and a great day of wrath. It is not. So John says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now, right now, we are the sons of God. But it doesn't yet appear what we shall be. So there's something ahead of us. But we know that when he shall appear, that we shall be like him, for we shall see him like he is. Now, I don't know. You know, as lovely as I am, they will tell you that I'm still not like Jesus. You know, I haven't become like him. And, and, and physically, I have not put on that redemption. In other words, my body is not subject to sickness and to decay, but it's something that we are believing for, um, you know, that we are contending for and uh, uh, waging a good warfare, you know, uh, for. So that also doesn't fit with AD 70 because creation hasn't been redeemed from its bondage to decay. So there's something ahead. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, henceforth there is later for me, Paul says, a crown of righteousness. And he says, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them that love is appearing. So there's an event, there's an appearing where there will be a full redemption. Paul says, for him, it probably said, a feeling that he won't make it, but he said, but I'll receive the crown of glory because there's something will come that even for us who are alive and those that have gone on to be with the Lord uh, will experience. Now, I mentioned in one of the verses, and I repeated it, um, we need to look at the until scriptures because not all is fulfilled. Um, after AD 70, some people, you know, you know, historicists, preterists say it's all fulfilled. I don't see it that way. Surely this is not all that there is. Surely this is not how the world is going to just continue and we're going to be stumbling on, you know, through life. You know, some people say it's all fulfilled and now we don't have to have communion and we don't need to be baptized in water. I don't see that. I think that's wrong. Second Timothy chapter one, verse 10, but is now made manifest talking about the grace and the salvation that came through Jesus, is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, but we haven't seen it fully abolished, and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Well, it's been brought to light, but we're not experiencing it. So there's something more to come. There's got to be more. I love what Prophet Kribbis always used to say. There's got to be more. There has to be more. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul says this, in whom also you trusted that after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, I read it, I'm just rereading it, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption, something future. So let's continue looking at until Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, talking about he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, 
for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then together with the governmental fivefold gift and the body of Christ being built up, and, and he says, till, until we all come into a unity of the faith, unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, you know, and I know, we're not there yet. I know you're wonderful as ACF, and I know you're almost perfect, but we're not quite, we're not quite there yet. And so there's, there's something coming. There's something going to, going to happen. So um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, I hope you're with me. I'm really pushing it. Uh, chapter 23 to 28, talking about the resurrection and the order of the resurrection of the dead, which is as a result of the preaching of the gospel, the outcome is the dead shall be raised. He says, every man in his own order, first Christ, the first fruits, and afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. And part of the first fruits of the resurrection were those saints whose graves opened at the time of the crucifixion, their bodies laid out. And when Jesus ascended, they were in that period of 40 days that Jesus was making appearances. They were appearing to many in the city. And when Jesus ascended in the cloud, they were part of that cloud of witnesses. Revelation, I mean, Hebrews chapter 12, that ascended with him. And that was all part of the first fruits. So then Paul continues. Um, he says in verse 24, then cometh the end. So it's first Christ. And then afterwards, those are Christ that is coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. We don't see that yet. For he must reign until he hath put all his enemies under his feet. And slowly, enemies are coming under his feet, which are our feet, which is the church, which is Ephesians 1, the last three verses. But he says, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now, Christians still die. People still die. You don't defeat death by die, dying. You defeat death by living. So we have not seen that yet. It says, for he hath put all things on his feet. But when he says all things that are put under him, it is manifest that's not him, which did put all things under him. And so, you know, once that happens, that um, he will surrender it all to God, that God may be all in all. So Acts 24, 15. So stick with me. We're getting there. We have hope towards God which they themselves also allow that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. We haven't seen that yet. And then in Acts 3, 20, 21, he shall send Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive or retain until the time of the restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the beginning of the world. So that hasn't happened yet. So there's an event coming. So um, what is that event? Paul says in shall judge the quick and the dead. In other words, those who are alive and those who have died at his appearing and his kingdom. At his appearing and his kingdom. He just said my internet connection was unstable there. So I hope it's balanced out. Yeah, it looks like it's balanced out a little bit. Sorry for that. And so um, what I'm going to do is let me just disconnect this and uh, um, the phone and make sure that it's not um, using up any Wi-Fi connection. All right, there we are. And so um, he says, Jack the Queen did it at his appearing and his kingdom. In other words, he's appearing 
will be somehow the consummation of his kingdom. Now, remember, John said this. I saw it, heaven open, and behold, a white horse. We know who it is. So he's seeing the victorious Lord of glory, the Son of God, coming for a victorious church. So something has got to happen, which hasn't happened yet, which will see the Son of God coming because um, things will be, have been put under his feet, which is under the church's feet. So when, when death has begun to be subdued, when life that was brought together, brought into manifestation through the preaching of the gospel starts to happen, something will happen, and that will be the appearance of Jesus. But I want to just throw this in very quickly. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 4, where a lot of people were asking me about, but I just quickly want to refer you to 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 to 9. And it seems to me that there's a difference between 1 Thessalonians 4, that appearing of Jesus, and 1 Thessalonians 5. He talks about, but of the times and seasons, brethren, of that coming AD 70, you have no need that I write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh um, as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, and they shall not escape. That was Jerusalem, AD 70. But listen to what he says. But ye, brethren, are not in the darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. So it doesn't apply to you. In other words, he was saying, you will know this other coming. You will know. You will know when it's going to happen. And so it's not going to be something that will be a surprise. It will be, oh, my goodness, here he comes like a thief in the night. Listen. From who? He's our Lord. He's our God. He's our husband. We are his bride. He's, he's coming to us. Okay? And so he says, we are not in darkness that that day should overtake us a thief. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So the wrath was AD 70. We were not appointed to that, but we have been appointed to full salvation. So before I get to 1 Thessalonians 4, which a lot of you have been wanting to get, I've got to read a passage of scripture. We touched on a few verses in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 23 to 28, talking about when the end comes, death is defeated. It's all put under his feet. He delivers the kingdom to God. But how about this? In 1 Corinthians 15, last verses of that wonderful chapter from verse 50 to 57 now this i say brethren that flesh and blood those are, are living cannot inherit the kingdom of god fully neither doth corruption those who have died inherit incorruption so corruption talks about those that have died behold i show you a mystery we will not all sleep we're not all going to die but we shall all be changed every one of us those that have slept and those that are alive he says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. We saw with Matthew 24 and related passages that there will be a trumpet, a great trumpet, but it's not the last trumpet. Now will be the sounding of the last time, the last trumpet. The sounding of the trumpet during the festivals of Israel was to summon the people together. So this is going to be, going to be a summoning of the people of God. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. In other words, they experience corruption. They shall put on incorruptibility and we shall be changed. All of us, those who are alive. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. Now that's the dead. And this mortal, that's us, must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death 
is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? And O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. That's why it had to go. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what will the victory be? That incorruption shall put on corruption, mortality put on immortality, death is swallowed up in victory. In other words, death shall be under our feet, which will make it under his feet. Now, notice the similarities in these passages. And now, finally, at Enlik, at last, we get to First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. I know it's a lot, but that's okay. You know, you've got rewind, replay, you can revisit it. First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, the great rapture passage. Now, you've got to compare it now to those verses in First Thessalonians, I mean, in First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 15, from verse 15. Paul says, talking about those who have died, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now, we have hope, so we don't sorrow like the world. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. So they, they, they're coming. They're coming with him. He will bring them with him. Where is he going? Where is he coming to? And, and um, so it goes on to say this. Um, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming, can you see the parallel of the Lord, shall not prevent or go ahead of them which are asleep. And so in other words, there's going to be a resurrection of the dead. And then we who are alive, something's going to happen to us. Well, Paul told us already, corrupt shall put on incorruption. And mortals shall put on immortality. That's in First uh, Corinthians 15. For the Lord himself shall be sent, bringing with him, you know, you know, those who have fallen asleep, they'll be coming with him. And, and it says, shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now, I looked it up, and some translators say he's not shouting. It's going to be the shout that we give. It's a welcoming shout, welcoming him coming, and him coming with those, bringing with him those who have died um, in the past, with the voice of the archangel. Now, the archangel, the main archangel, you know, a lot of Bible writers say it's, it's um, you know, Michael. I don't see it as that. I see that the chief angel of God, the chief messenger of God um, is Jesus. And so the voice of the archangel will be exactly what Jesus said in, in John chapter 5. He said, you know, the day is coming. The time is coming when all who hear the voice of the Son of God will come up out of their graves. Well, this is the time. And so the voice of the archangel will be him calling forth um, all those who've died out of the grave. And they'll be united. Their bodies will come up, be united with their spirit. And we who are alive will be changed in, and into immortality. And so with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, let me just tell you what it's not saying. So this event is the appearance of Jesus. Let's call it the coming. Um, you know, there's, there's different things that we can call it. But it's not the rapture because he's not coming to take us away. He's bringing saints with him. It would be pretty, pretty pointless in bringing them with him and then, and then leaving. And, th and that's not what it is. It's not a rapture. It's not a, a being taken away. It's Jesus appearing to come and to be 
with his people. So listen to what Proverbs chapter 10, verse 30 says, the righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit or inherit the earth. It's amazing that Jesus said, so we're not going away. He's coming here to stay and to be with his people. Matthew 5, verse 5, the meek shall inherit the earth. I mean, how have we inherited the earth? We haven't inherited it yet. We to rule and reign on this earth as priests and kings. Well, we don't see that, but a time will come when we will. Matthew 5, verse 5 is a direct quote out of Psalm 37, and not only in verse 11, but other places you can read about the meek being prosperous, the meek inheriting the earth, and it says it several times. Romans 4.13 talks about Abraham and his seed shall inherit the earth. Psalm 2, he shall give you the heathen as your inheritance. And so he's been given the world not to take us off up to pie in the sky, heaven when you die. No, you know, those that die are with the Lord. Paul said to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. But we've just seen here, Paul says he's bringing them with him to come here, to join us. You know, we see that even in the garden, God was coming. God's place was with man on earth. God created this place for us, and he comes um, to dwell with us. Very interesting that um, in Revelations 21, it tells us, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be the God. And that's seeing the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city coming down like a bride prepared. God's place is with us. So he's coming not to take us there. So it's not the place of men is with God. The place of God is with men. And so um, that's what is going to happen. Now, there's no biblical precedent for, for God taking the righteous and removing them off the earth. But we've got examples. For example, um, the, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. God rescued the righteous and destroyed the wicked. In the flood with Noah, God rescued the righteous and uh, took away the wicked. And um, Noah and his family inherited the whole earth. I mean, he had, he had uh, full rights to the entire planet. And God said, full, replenish, prosper, increase, etc., etc., etc. So he's not coming to take us away. He's coming to be with us on the earth, to rule and to reign with his priests and kings. He's the king of kings and, and, and the Lord of the lords. So this caught up thing, we'll be caught up into another state. Paul tells us we'll be changed. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about his experience on the road to Damascus. And uh, he too was raptured. He was caught up. But where was he? He was laying on that floor, on the ground next to his horse, on the road to Damascus. But he says, but I was caught up into the third heavens. I was taken up into another place, another state. And this is what's going to happen. So... Um, in the air. It's really interesting that this in the air thing is, is talking about our breathable atmosphere. It's amazing to me that in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks about the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in the disobedience. In other words, he's the ruler of the kingdom living, working in this particular airspace, in the, this area of, of heaven, you know, the, the breathable atmosphere of heaven. So we'll be caught up in the air. In other words, we're going to be caught up in this world, in this breathable atmosphere, in this space, we'll be, we'll be caught up with him in the air. The clouds, remember I said to you, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness. Now we're going to get onto this a little bit more and, um, and have a look at it. So we've got to go into, in the last couple of minutes, the transfiguration accounts, and I've got to try and rush. I want to bring your hand back 
and uh, and we just want to end off with praise and worship. So AD 70 was a coming, but there is another coming. There is an appearing. He will come to those who are watching and looking for different verses and love his appearing. We have not experienced everything that there is that Jesus obtained for us on the cross. There is an until. We have it all, but not fully, if I can say it that way. We have the deposit of the spirit, but not full redemption. And that's why in John chapter 6, Jesus said, I will raise him up on the last day. I will raise him up on the last day. And then he said, I will raise it up on the last day. So in the last day, something is going to be raised up. And that will be full salvation. That will be immortality. That will be life and life in abundance. So those until scriptures pertain until now, um, until we see death subject to every, uh, to every one of us under our feet and under Christ himself. And so here it goes. We've got to quickly look at the transfiguration accounts. I've got to cover this very quickly. And, and that is we find it in uh, Matthew 17, Mark 9, Luke 9. And what happened was, you know, that Peter, James, and John went up onto the mountain. And uh, while they were there, um, you know, Moses and Elijah appears. Um, you know, Jesus is transfigured in, in front of them. This glorious radiance is shining through brighter than the sun, whiter than anyone can wash his garments. Even his clothing was resplendent with this glory that was breaking through. And, and um, when Peter spoke, a cloud enveloped them, you know, and that word cloud is not a rain cloud. Um, it is like a mistiness. And it was something they experienced, something they saw, even though he was, they were drowsy and tired. Um, Jesus referred to it in one translation, as uh, one of the Gospels, as a vision. But it was something they saw, was something that they experienced. They were uh, enveloped in this bright cloud. And, of course, that is the saints of God. You know, um, that is the manifestation of heaven being present with the, the angels and with the saints that had died and gone on uh, previously. Hebrews 12, verse 1, therefore, seeing we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this is something they physically experienced. And Moses and Elijah must have appeared out of the cloud. They were part of the witnesses. And they were talking with Jesus about his exit, exit from the earth in the ascension um, and um, into heaven. And so when the cloud came, the Bible says that a voice spoke out of the cloud. So God was in the cloud. So it was not only his presence, it was heaven, um, as we will see. Um, in a moment. And, and this was something that was so powerful. What they witnessed, they witnessed the glory of divinity, that nature of God that was in Christ shining through human flesh and clothing. And this became a preview of something that will happen to us. So Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 21, nearly, nearly there, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known to you, listen to this, the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to what he says. And this voice which came from heaven we heard, which was out of the cloud when we were with him in the Holy Mount. Now, Peter is using this to show us um, and his readers, um, you need to read the whole chapter, that we have the salvation. We are partakers of the divine nature. We need to be adding to our faith all these qualities of godliness 
and uh, we will receive a rich entrance into the kingdom. He says, and if we keep going, you know, that, the, that we, we will experience, and he's giving this as something to, to um, emulate, to work towards, you know, in faith, um, as to, to experience this transformation, this transfiguration that Jesus um, experienced. He said the prophecy um, came not in old time by the will of men, but the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And he tells us that we, we have this word of prophecy made more certain about this glory because of the witness, because of what transpired there on the mountain. And he says, we need to take heed to it as a light that shines in a dark place. Now, this prophecy is a light. We've had it made more certain by the eyewitness account of what happened to Jesus until the day dawns. And that day star, that Jesus rises and shines and breaks through in our hearts. So now we see not long after that, an incident in Acts chapter one, verses nine to 11. And when he had spoken these things, he was talking to them about be my witnesses going to the whole world after you've received the Holy Spirit. And um, it says, while he was speaking, they, they beheld, it was in front of their eyes. He was taken up, taken up, you know, not necessarily he was taken up and a cloud received him out of this up, very much like the transfiguration um, accounts. And, and listen, this is something that they witnessed, that they saw. It was not behind the scenes in the spirit like what Daniel was referring to. And he was taken up and the cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, um, as he went up into that cloud, as he was caught up, behold, two men, that was Moses and Elijah, stood by them in white apparel. And they said, they said you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you to heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven in like manner. Now, well, that's 1 Corinthians 15. That's 1 Thessalonians 4. So let's just review this quickly as we come to a close. When Jesus first came, he was spirit. Then he came in flesh, born as a baby, grew up, and uh, at the baptism received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, died, was crucified, resurrected, appeared in a glorified body over 40 days. Then he ascends on the 40th day. And uh, now he has a glorified body and he goes back into the spiritual realm. He goes back spirit with now a glorified ascended physical body. Now what uh, uh, the Bible writers telling us here, Luke is telling us and the other writers are telling us that he's going to come the same way he left. <clears throat> In other words, he's going to come back spirit. He's not going to come back physical. In other words, he's going to come back universally. He's going to come back globally. He's going to come back, um, you know, to the whole body of Christ. He's not going to come back to Israel again. He was there. They rejected him. Now he's coming back, not for a nation. He's coming back for the nations. He's not coming back for one people. He's coming back for all people, every nation, every tongue, and every tribe. Now, I love what Prophet Kruber says. What will determine this coming? A lot of this coming of Jesus, I believe, is conditional. I believe that it is conditional very much on our expectation. It's, it's conditional upon our preaching of the gospel, our personal holiness. I believe it's conditional upon the extension of the kingdom, of our obedience to preaching the gospel. Um, and that is part of our loving and looking forward to his appearing. Prophet Kerbis always used to say, you find a fish in water, you find a bird in air, 
we find God in glory. In other words, he's coming back when there's glory. Now, Numbers 14, 21, all the way through Isaiah and Psalms and uh, uh, into Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, the promises God said, as surely as I live, the whole earth shall be filled with my glory. So when will he come back? When there's a measure of glory on the earth, when he sees the victory that is his as King of Kings and Lord of Lords reflected in the body of Christ, when creation is seeing the manifestation of the sons of God um, and it has been redeemed, then there is glory that he will appear in glory. Um, Psalm 102 verse 16, as I wrap it up, when the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. It's amazing. One of my favorite verses in scripture is Colossians chapter one, verses one to three. Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your heart, so your mind and your affections um, above um, on, on where Christ is. In other words, get your focus on him where he's seated. Um, and so we look to Christ. So our affections, our heart is enveloped in him. Then it says, for you, for Christ uh, died and, uh, and you were buried with him and your life is now hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you shall appear with him in glory. And when we appear with him in glory, he shall appear with us in glory. Not with the rapture, not with judgment, not with wrath, not with the antichrist, not with the mark of the beast, not with the day of vengeance and wrath, would be a natural selection. You know, those you will come to those that believe and the righteous will be removed. He's coming uh, as a God of glory to a glorious, victorious body of Christ. So, Riss and Frieda, the day of wrath is over. The mark of the beast, over. And, uh, you know, the great tribulation, over. It's not to say that there will not be problems and trials in this in the in the in the world that we're living it's not to say that there won't be wicked and greedy people that will be out there it's not to say that there will not be persecutions there have been persecutions there have been tribulations but the kingdom is growing the kingdom is increasing um the rock that was cut out daniel tells us in daniel chapter 2 is filling the whole earth there's not going to be a worldwide apostasy there's going to be a worldwide revival there's not going to be doom and gloom there's going to be glory and brightness and jesus is coming back for a victorious glorious bride he will appear he's coming to those who long for look for watch for pray for believe for preach the gospel of the kingdom for um who love that appearing he's coming to those amen so i want to just continue to say rest and fear that peace to you peace to you peace to you he's overcome this world so how do we overcome this world we overcome by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can relax. Um, he's not coming anytime soon. If there's a vaccine developed, we can take it. We can get over it, make some people rich. Um, you know, they're trying to control the world through money by greed and whatever. It's not the boogeyman thing that everybody is talking about. But yes, he is coming for us, the victorious Lord of glory, the Son of God, the rider on the white horse. Not coming to a defeated church, but to a victorious church. So bless you. I love you so much. It has been real fun preaching this particular series. Thanks for all the encouragement. Thanks for the criticisms. It's fine. <laughs> you can believe what you want. It's what I believe. It's what our church believes. So the Lord bless you. Johan, good to have you with us. Hallelujah. God is good. Woo! Whatever you want. A couple of minutes.
There is a king seated among us. Let every heart receive him now. Where there is praise, he will inhabit. And there will be grace and mercy all around. song oh jesus christ the name above all other jesus christ the king of king gives me such gooses yarn thank you wow oh how beautiful yeah you know we're not irrelevant insignificant uh, god knows what he's doing the gospel has been preached all over the world the kingdom is coming revival upon revival and we're going to see move of god and a wave of revival after uh, this unlock i believe because of all the prayers they say that just in England, Johan, wow. that um, um, 
25% of the population, it's up, up by 25% of the population is going online to Christian sites to find hope. <laughs> so God is using this thing. God's Amen. using it in South Africa, man. Amen. And I tell you, we're going to see a move of God. And that's Amen. because we love his appearing. But though all of those appearings are going to just increase and increase and increase and increase until he appears in the glory that is on the earth. Amen. And so we'll receive full salvation and redemption. Johan, will you bless and pray for our viewers, for all those that follow you and ACF folks? And just love them until we see each other again on Wednesday. Yes, yes. No, it's really, uh, like you say, it's really the time for the sons of God to arise. Creation is crying out and waiting. Yeah. And uh, since the beginning of the lockdown, this is what we said. We, we spoke on the phone a couple of times as well. And to many people, this is, this is the time for the sons of God to rise. It's the best time. It's, yeah. it's really yeah. the best time. So I bless you in the name of Jesus. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May he cover you with his feathers. May your mind be at peace. May your soul and your spirit be at peace with one in Christ Jesus. And knowing that this is not, this is not the end of our life. Yeah. This is the end of the, the worldly system. And it's the beginning of a greater, new, glorious time for us as the sons and believers in Christ. It's the greatest time. So I bless you with that peace, knowing that the power is yours, that God wants you to rise up and to just, just take over in Jesus' name. As we heard now, like how many people are, are crying out and how many people are connecting to Christian stuff now for that hope. We are the hope of the world. We are the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill. So be blessed with that in Jesus' name. And we love you guys. Amen. Thank you, Johan. Bless you. Signing off, ACF. Keep praying. Keep on doing what you're doing. Keep your giving going. It's a blessing to me. And uh, love you all. We'll see you soon. Um, enjoy Mother's Day. Bless you. Cheers, Johan. Bye, Pastor.